This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse 95. Now, checking out the Sharjah Light Festival is a lot of fun, but how would you like to go behind the scenes with some of the UAE's top photographers and see how they capture the magic through their lens? Well, that's exactly what we did as we followed Stevie Khan and TG and the crew from Living the Lens across the Emirate to see exactly how they do it. They spill all the secrets on getting the winning shots at the Sharjah Light Festival next, right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. This year, the Sharjah Light Festival is celebrating its 10th anniversary in spectacular style, bigger than ever before. It features a total of 19 locations across Sharjah, with 21 shows including video mapping, three interactive shows where the audience gets to control the light display, two light sculptures at Al Majaz and one live show along with fireworks displays as well. This year also sees for the first time students from the University of Sharjah designing light shows that are displayed across University City to train a new generation in the art of video mapping design. One of the biggest draw cards for the Sharjah Light Festival is that it is a feast for the eyes. A stunning architecture is lit up in living colour, bringing the night to life. Photographers from all over the UAE descend upon Sharjah for the opportunity to capture breathtaking images of all the action. This year I decided I would see the festival from behind the lens of some of the best landscape photographers to find out how they capture the magic of the festival. I tagged along with the team behind Living the Lens, including Stevie Khan, Ihsan Salhiya, aka TG, Andy Marty and Nick Arundel as they chase the best shots across the Emirate. First up on the agenda, capturing the perfect full moon over Al Nur Mosque and to do it, we head to Al Majaz Island. For the uh, Sharjah Life Festival, <laughs> Al Nur Mosque is the central iconic location I think everybody heads for and you know that's what we want to shoot so we would definitely want to spend a bit more time here then move on to the other locations but I think in terms of priority this is our number one. I think this year though they've also got Sharjah Mosque so that is going to be on our agenda tonight as well. We're looking forward to it actually Sharjah has some of the most beautiful mosques around and that's why Stevie and I are out here trying to capture the beauty that they have with the lights that they got going on. That's what, that's what makes the Sharjah Light Festival so unique. It is the mosque. You don't get that with any of the other global Absolutely. light festivals. So, and you've done this before? Yes. We've both done it before. Yeah. Okay. Last year. It was last year, yeah. yeah. So are we going to see the moon rising? We're is that rising. We're going to see, yeah. Yes. I mean, there's only a few times during the year where it actually rises directly behind Al Nur Mosque. Tonight is unfortunately not one of those where it's directly behind, but we can still get it in our composition. Okay. All right, so let's see how you guys do that, how the professionals do it. Cool, cool. Let's do it. It's 6 p.m. and the guys and I are now stationed on Al Majaz Island to get a perfect view of the moon rising over Al Nur Mosque. 
And now, to do that, you don't need to be an expert in astronomy. As they say, there's an app for that, and it's called Photopills. So we're about to take a look at um, Hassan's photopills. What are photopills, Hassan? Okay, so photopills, yeah. This looks so very cool and techy. Absolutely. It's actually okay. it's a fun it's a fun application that we use. It's actually a very it's a tool. So it's an application and I'll start you right from the scratch. So we're going to choose the moon option because we're hoping that the moon would line up exactly behind the Moscow we want it to be in our composition. So if I choose the moon and then choose AR for augmented reality. That is very cool. And it like lines up all of these coordinates and stuff. There you go. And yeah. everything, you can see the compass on there yes. and it's like showing you exactly what's going on. So describe to us what we can see right now. Okay, so right now, like you said, we're looking at the compass. Mm. And then if I tilt my screen up, and then to the right, I will see the moon. And we're just looking at a Nordmosk through your screen right now. Exactly. And we can see where the moon is going to be. So right now, we are at uh, 6.14. So we are just beneath the mark. So the moon right now is right beneath the water. And it's going to be rising up right by about 7 o'clock. We're hoping it'll be right above the minaret next to the building. And it'll be right in our composition. So that's part of planning. That is incredible. The shot. <laughs> that is the coolest thing. Yeah. It oh is. my gosh. Yeah. We always uh, plan the shots. If you plan your shot, it's going to be that much more exciting. The outcome. This is already an amazing location. We're looking directly at a Nur Mosque, a Nur Island right there, and it's all lighting up. But when you have something like that, that's what gives your shot that extra 100%. cool factor. 100%. Yeah. So, uh, so Stevie actually spends, does it even a little bit, a step better. So he goes, he goes a step further. So he sits and looks at the map and plans it in advance and he lines up the coordinates and makes sure everything's right and then uh, when we get on site uh, we usually take out these tools and then scan for the sun and the moon whatever we're tracking and then make sure that it's lining up and then that's it we try to get there early to make sure that the uh, shot is planned right amazing that's how it happens so it's not random you know a lot of people look at the shots and they say oh how'd they get so lucky no, we plan our shots you must just sit there for hours and went no you don't do that anymore technology's <laughs> got you covered right is that what you do as well like for for sunrises and sunset shots as well absolutely from we do sun moon astrophotography absolutely everything this app is so incredible that uh, I went to Mauritius with my wife about a year and a half ago and I was able to key in the exact time the Milky Way was going to be over this tree that looked fantastic in the water and I knew at 4 a.m. in the morning I had to be there so I woke up at 3:30, walked into the woods on my own not probably the best idea and there was a milky way above this tree took my shot went back to bed yalla done that's the way to do it that's it that's absolutely the way to do it yeah usually when we go on our photo missions we plan it out this way right? that is unbelievable that is so cool so this is what we're doing tonight especially for the light festival our mosque is going to be lit up but we're also going to be seeing the moon this is amazing yeah. okay Double banger. Double banger. <laughs> Everybody's lining up their lenses, their cameras. These guys are just in very focused. So what, what are you all doing right now? So just describe to us what you're doing, how you're setting up the cameras and what's happening, Nick, here. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking for a composition. Mm. So we're looking for the mosque, getting ready for uh, when the lights come on. So I'm using a 70 to 200 mil. So that gets me right in uh, close to the mosque. Um, I'm looking for, as TG said, we've looked for where the moon's going to come. So I've positioned myself nicely to get the mosque in a nice composition with the lens and for the moon to come up just in the corner of those buildings with the minaret uh, of the mosque. So the moon should just be right behind that. 
We are here, like we're, we're looking at Anwar Mosque, but we're actually at Al Majaz Island as well. Yeah. So people are thinking, oh, they're at Anwar Island, but actually to get your best shot, we had to come over here. Correct. We've come a little bit further out, which is why we've got the longer lens on. So we, it looks like we're right close, but we're actually the other side of the, the water. This is very cool. Amazing. Okay, so now you're setting it all up. So now we're setting it up, but as the light changes, the settings will change. So what we're trying, we, mainly composition at, at this time. Once the light comes on, we'll then basically do the, uh, the additional settings on the camera. So we get the perfect uh, shot with the right light once the lights have come up on the mosque. Mm. We can hear the van going in the background right now. It's Maghrib Prayer. Sunset is happening and we're just we're waiting because it's after the prayers happen that the lights are going to come on. So this is very cool. Tense. Yeah. All tense. <laughs> no, we're just getting ready. So, um, yeah. So as we can see, we're, we're all different brands. So we've got Sony, Canon and Nikon but we're all kind of using the same lens with the same method. Yeah. So same brands, but the same the, the mechanics behind each camera are exactly the same. So uh, yeah, so we're just basically lining up our shots. We can see that we've all got the long lenses on. Some of these guys have got longer lenses, so they're using a converter. So they're actually going for a 600 mil, which again makes you closer to the mosque um, and more details. So I can only get with my 200 uh, a nice composition with the mosque. These guys can actually get right in the details of the minaret, the tower, uh, and get really, really, really close. So that's why they've got the longer lenses on. Nick Arundel there. Now coming up next, uh, Stevie reveals the key to getting the most out of nighttime photography. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and our special behind-the-scenes look at how the pros capture the best shots of the Sharjah Light Festival. Here, Stevie reveals the key to nighttime photography and what camera is best to use. But first up, though, I asked Stevie about how he became such a sought-after photographer and why he started living the lens. It's gone beyond a passion now, Sally. I've been shooting with these guys and been friends with them for quite a while, for a few years, and we just decided we wanted to get together, start something where we're educating, teaching, and of course learning from all the fellow photographers in Dubai and the UAE. And we just wanted to give something back because we get a lot of love and attention on our social media. And we wanted to give something back to people who want to learn and, and know how we do things. So that's why we started this brand. We want to educate people. We want to do workshops, which we've, which we've done. And also we want to showcase other people's skills in photography as well. So it's, it's a building a community. You're not only teaching, but you're helping to showcase other people's work as well. Exactly, That's yes. Really nice. yeah. There will be workshops where you're getting very, very technical, but we also want to cover things such as the basics. And a lot of people, all they want is the basics. So that will make it more affordable to people who just want to learn what aperture is and the light show is finally coming on. Yeah, it is just, it's so pretty. It's finally like starting. This is my first time with you guys to do this. So it's very, very cool. And I love this so much. So yeah, okay. So now it is starting to light up as they're doing the prayers. We're gonna be seeing the moon very shortly, apparently. And Yep, the and moon should be rising in about 
It's rising now, but because it's behind that building, we can't see it. So it should be in about 20 minutes, it should start rising, and we're planning to actually get it above the left minaret. That's how precise we're getting. You know, you know exactly <laughs> where it's going to be, and you know by then, obviously, it's going to be quite dark. The colours of the of the the lights on the the mosque and the masjid are going to be vivid and beautiful and amazing. And this is what you're capturing, Stevie. What's the key to night photography? Because a lot of people get it wrong. You get very blurry photos. People come out to the light festival and they really want to capture it, capture the magic. So, what is the key to it? The key to night photography is having a sturdy tripod that keeps your camera steady. Now once you've mounted it on a tripod, you then need to either have what's called a timer or a remote. So basically when you hit the shutter on your camera, there's no vibrations. So most cameras will have what's called a two second timer. So when you press the button on your camera, two seconds later it takes the picture and that way it eliminates any vibrations on your camera. So that's how you get a sharp shot. In terms of settings on the camera we can get very technical and I'm sure your listeners are going to be very confused. <laughs> so if you want to know more attend one of our workshops. <laughs> but the basic setting should be your aperture should be around f8 to f16. Your ISO should be very low as low as possible and then the shutter speed should be long, hence why we put it on a tripod. Mm. You guys are using every type of brand, basically. All the top brands, you're not sticking to one particular one, which is great, because people can kind of get, oh, should I be getting a Canon? Should I be getting a Nikon or a Sony or whatever it is? What kind of cameras do you guys prefer to use for you know night photography? And when you're out and about doing your amazing landscape shots? This is such a, a great question, Sally. And you know, we tend to use full frame mirrorless cameras and full frame DSLRs. But to be honest, any camera is capable of taking great shots. It's up to the photographer to create that great composition. You can have the best gear in the world, but if you don't take a good composition, it doesn't matter. And we get asked this question a lot. What camera do you use? You know, what difference does it make? What lens do you use? You can use a phone these days and get a terrific shot. Mm. Why mirrorless? There's a difference between mirrorless and a DSLR because the image will actually go straight into the camera rather than via a mirror. So it's mirrorless. Now, this is kind of the way the future is going with mirrorless. And the biggest advantages are that it is much lighter. So if you're going hiking, for example, you're carrying a much lighter camera. And exactly. And it's much more discreet. It's a lot smaller to carry as well. When you're going out into crowds, like the last thing you want to be is like carrying a whole lot of bulky material. And we can just see, we can see Anur Mosque. It's changing color now. I think it, it's really, you know, interesting for everyone to know how, how did you get into photography in the first place? Because you are one extremely talented guy. You're amazing at your photography. How did all of that start? That's very kind of you, Sally. Uh, it started actually, we went traveling, my wife and I, um, and we went to the Maldives. And it was actually one of your old colleagues who lent us a camera. He said, you can't go to the Maldives without having a good camera. So he lent us his Canon 1D. And we went on holiday to the Maldives with this incredibly expensive camera. Took all these pictures and we were kind of blown away at all the different settings and pictures you could achieve through this camera. 
So after that, we just started exploring more. And obviously my wife and I, we take loads and loads of photos. And then it develops beyond a passion. It becomes an obsession. And now it's, you know, every single spare moment, which isn't a lot, as you know, with kids, <laughs> we're out trying to take photographs. That was a whole new thing for you. Absolutely. Before that, you know, we would travel and we would enjoy sunsets together and have romantic times. Right. Now you cannot do it because you are so obsessed with how the clouds and the colors in the sky are looking that you just can't enjoy it. So are you self-taught? Did you go to classes? Like what happened? Like how did you get so technically um, astute at this and, and amazing? It was a mix. Um, there's a lot of videos you can find on YouTube where you learn from very, very talented guys who give a lot away. Uh, there are people who've conducted workshops in the UAE, for example, and I have attended a couple of these. I think with photography as well, you never, ever stop learning. Never. There's always something more you can learn. And that's part of the, uh, the pleasure of giving workshops because there'll be someone who has a better method than you that can teach you how to do something more easily. Yeah. So us guys here, we're all learning every single day from each other, from everyone else. And you know, that's part of the beauty of photography. Yeah. And it's about getting inspired from each other as well. Right. And, and, you know, seeing what each other is doing and, and you kind of feed off that amazing energy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And when you find similarly like-minded people who have the passion for it, it really inspires you. And when you, when you hang around with these creative guys, you know, it brings out the best in yourself. You know what this is like? This is like fishing. You know, like you put your line out and you have to wait to come in. Right. No, it just, because that's what it looks like with you right now, Andy. Like you've got your camera and you're just like waiting for that perfect moment. It is a bit like fishing. You sort of got to have a lot of patience and then you, uh, you come away with one fish or two fish or three fish, one shot or three shots. It's, uh, it's a good analogy. It's quite nice. <laughs> you just want to make sure it's the big one, right? Exactly, exactly. Everyone wants to go home with the best shot or the biggest fish. So yeah, yeah it's, it does get a little bit competitive, but we're all here to help each other at the same time. Okay, so you're kind of like shooting at the moment. Are you yep. testing out what, what's happening here? Yeah, it's a nice time to shoot at the moment because we're just coming into, into blue hour. So um, we get some nice colors in the sky and still some nice color, colors from the lights taking over from the, from the natural light. So mm -hmm. I'm just testing out a few different compositions <laughs> and um, where I I want to set up and yeah focusing on different things and mixing it up a little bit and deciding what what shot I'll I'll go for coming up next photography for social media how do you do it this is pulse 95 95 this is life beats life beats with Sally Musa only on pulse 95 Welcome back to Life Beats uh, on location at the Sharjah Light Festival. Now, Stevie and TG are social media stars for their work. So if you're shooting for the gram, how do you do it? Do okay, TG's doing his thing. You're also <laughs> shooting portrait. Are you doing it as well for the gram? Mostly yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mostly yes. If, if you're shooting for the gram, is that the main social media for the photographers? Facebook, Instagram for me mostly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you've got to have it in portrait usually. Yeah, four by five crop. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys also do the uh, whole wide angle thing, but if I'm going to do that, I'm going to shoot it uh, and then vertically, but panorama. So this way it'll be big and wide on the gram as well. Okay. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right. the more real estate you cover, the uh, the better the photo, in okay. my opinion. <laughs> so Nick is kind of rebelling. He's kind of going. Um, I'm flicking backwards and forwards, <laughs> depending on what I want. So I'm going, I'm going wide angle to try and get some of the buildings. Mm -hmm. 
these guys when they're portrait they're just really trying to get into the mosque and the buildings behind I'm trying to get the whole landscape so we now can see the moon it took a Gabby's drone shot to, to get us exactly the right location. TG, what can you see? Right now, we have the moon right on top of the minaret, and the colors are in full blast. The moonlight is a little weak, which is where we want it to be, so that we, we, we can pick up the details on the moon. Yeah, because if it's really, really bright, then we have to take what's called a composition, where we take one photo of the moon, one photo of the mosque, and then, come, and then put them together. So right now, it's actually good. That is interesting, because I was thinking, that looks a little bit weak, but actually, this is what you're looking for. Right now, we are, yeah. And then it's going gonna, it's gonna to switch up a little bit, and then... And that's when we switch up. <laughs> you have to have so much patience for this, right? Yeah, you do, for sure. Sub it is the game. Sub it is the game, 100%. You said it. Love it. Absolutely. This is this is amazing, you guys. Stevie is here as well. He's setting up his, his lens. I am, indeed. As the moon rises as well, it's going to get brighter and brighter. So it, it actually makes it a lot easier to shoot the higher it is in the sky. When it's very low on the horizon, particularly when it's hazy like this, it's often not so easy to shoot. So we're just waiting now for it to rise a little bit higher and then uh, we'll take some nice shots. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful. In the meantime, the colors are still changing on the mosque. So it, it, each shot is really going to look really different. And that's kind of cool, actually, because it's not like you're seeing the same thing over and over. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many incredible colors in this light display. It just keeps going from blue, red, orange. So we can have all these different shots, as you say, with the mm. moon above. And it's just, it's going to look incredibly magical. Nice. Sometimes when we uh, take a bunch of photos, we uh, do this. Ooh. And then you get to, like, you get like a little, little time lapse of what just happened. That is beautiful. Yeah, so. That Let's is see. so cool, this time-lapse. Cool? Yeah. So you're just going through your shots real fast. That's it, yeah, just and, goes. And, and we can see the mosque is changing colors, the moon is, is up and down. Yep. That is very cool. Actually, I think one of the guys is running a time-lapse. Andy, is it you or Stevie that's running a time-lapse? Is it Stevie? I think Stevie's running a second camera there. Mm. Uh, usually one of us will do that, put a second camera, let it run the entire time, and it captures the, uh, the whole thing. Cool. That, the moon looks like it's going to go behind that building. Yeah, so what we do normally is we grab our tripods, usually in a situation like this, and we start running. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we look like a bunch of clowns. We, we literally grab our stuff and we go point to point. See, look, see, see where you Stevie just, is? They just start running, guys. Yeah, yeah, well, Stevie's on the second camera there, there, and he's shooting on the other side now because the moon is moving. Yeah. And I'm actually going to do the same so I'm gonna grab my tripod and I'm gonna go slightly over and then we're just gonna keep going All so right. sometimes we'll just you know have it tip the buildings and nice. capture it that way what we tend to do as well is we'll take a picture of the moon and we'll hold the camera steady we won't move it and then we'll take another shot of the cityscape and just merge the two into one because it's very difficult to capture the moon and the cityscape one will be dark the other won't be it'll be light so you need to you need to take two shots to get it perfectly when you're shooting the moon at night time do you think, see, people see your shots and they're like, oh my God, that is incredible. And that's right. Do you think people don't realize what goes into getting that perfect shot? They don't realize that they have to be so patient and spend so much time planning the shot, standing here, you know, like, and just waiting, you know, constantly taking those shots and then finding that perfect one. I think that's a very good point, Sally. You know, there's a lot of times where people will say to me, hey, why don't you just shoot the moon behind, you know, that object? And you're like, well, the moon rises in a path. I can only be in line with that path. There's, I can't magically make the moon appear over, you know, the Burj Al Arab right now. It's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. So people need to understand that a lot of planning goes into it and you have to be in the perfect position and a lot of luck sometimes. And you have to be totally in tune with nature 
as well. Are you surprised by what you've learned doing landscape photography? And Totally. I mean, I never knew that. I thought the moon just took the same path every single night. I had no idea that it's changing paths all the time. If we come here tomorrow, it's going to be in a completely different position from where it is now. I never knew about learning things like tides, you know? You need to know, know when low tide is so that you can get those beautiful reflections in the sea. So you start studying things such as where the moon is going to be, where the sun is going to rise and set, where the Milky Way is going to be, right. where, and where, you know, the tide, what time the tide is going to be when low tide is. These are things you never even realized you would know before photography. And that's how you discover that beauty that just then you capture it and it takes everyone's breath away. Absolutely. I mean, these are the shots that really get people's attention. You know, everyone can take a shot of the Burj Khalifa, but if you can capture the moon on top of the Burj Khalifa, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, that's it. Bang it's the money shot. <laughs> now, as the festival celebrates a decade, there is no shortage of exciting shows and locations, but a brand new landmark has taken center stage this year that is just blowing everyone away. First of all, obviously we're here capturing a Noor Mosque. What else is on the agenda? Yep, we're looking at the universities. We're looking at University City Hall, which is incredible. You get those beautiful reflections of the light display. Uh, we're going to head to American University in Charger as well, which also has a fantastic display. Uh, the Police Academy. Mm. And we're also going to be looking for Charger Mosque as well. Yes, because this is that's what's new this year. And that is like the epic mosque, really, for Charger. Charger Mosque is stunning. It is without doubt one of the most beautiful and spectacular mosques in the UAE, yes. for sure. The Ottoman design, the architecture is stunning and it gives you a taste of the Blue Mosque in Istanbul as well. Right, right, Absolutely. exactly. Last time I was shooting at Sharjah Mosque as well, Sally, I have to say that uh, the people who pray at that mosque are just the kindest, warmest souls. I was sitting there and I wanted to be respectful because I don't want to take pictures of people, obviously, especially during during, you know a holy time but they were coming over and saying do you want some water would you like to come inside they were so friendly and even one guy came over introduced himself he was the son of the manager of Sharjah Mosque oh and he thanked me for uh, taking photos and actually displaying them to the world which I wow. thought was extremely kind which was just fantastic brilliant I love that so much and you know this is how you're not Muslim you're not Arab, but you know, you go into these places and you're discovering so much just by being there and and just feeling that beauty and, and you're, you know, building those bridges and making those connections with those people. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the tolerance in this country is exceptional. Last year was the year of tolerance, but it's always the year of tolerance in the UAE. Everybody respects each other, no matter where you're from, what religion you are, and that is the beauty of this country. That is indeed the beauty of this country. Now, at this point, we cannot wait to see Sharjah Mosque. That is coming up. But first, what do you do if you only have your smartphone to capture the light shows? Well, quite a lot, it seems. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse it's Life Beats and we are going behind the scenes trying to capture the best of the Sharjah Light Festival. Now, what can you do if you only have your smartphone to capture the light shows? Well, quite a bit apparently it seems. The phones these days are so technologically advanced 
that they are the equivalent of shooting with one of these cameras. So again, with your night shots, you wanna get a tripod, even for your phone, hold that phone steady, make sure you have a two second timer so that when you touch your phone, there's no vibrations. And they have these night modes as well, so they actually do all the work for you. And I think with some of them, they take three or four shots and they combine them in the phone. So you get this very nice, clean night shot. Nice. So yeah, they're just as good as taking with the camera. So that there are lots of different ways as well, even with your phone. Even if you don't have a, a DSLR or a mirrorless camera or whatever it is, you can still do it with your phone. Exactly. Okay. And if you want to take pictures of yourself, put it on a selfie mode. Okay, selfie mode, get yourself a tripod as well, vital, because this is what we're talking about here, Sharjah Light Festival, night shots, because it's got to have a long exposure to capture those vivid details, the vivid colours, and you do not want the blur, right? Exactly, Sally, you are perfectly correct. You need a sturdy tripod, you need that camera to be dead still, you're taking an exposure for maybe 5 to 15 seconds and that camera cannot move in those 5 to 15 seconds. Mm. And the key to shooting night photography is to control the light. Of course the Sharjah Light Festival gives it away, we need to control that light. If you take a picture and it's overexposed, it's just going to be this white blob. So it's actually best to slightly underexpose your shot. That's the key. You can always recover shadows in a photo. Mm. Highlights, you can't. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, it's overexposed. It's like burning food. Exactly. You just can't go back. And I've done plenty of that. <laughs> Ask my neighbor. Clean your lens. Wait a minute. Andy's got the best tip. This is so basic, but most... Can I just say, I put my hand up. I'm the worst Everyone does. person when it comes to this. My lens is always dirty. So your tip is? Yeah, biggest tip is clean the lens of your phone. It's like dirty, dirty glasses or something like that. I once took, um, you always get asked to take people's photos for them when yeah. you're traveling. And a couple asked me to take their photo. And just as I walked away, I cleaned the lens of her phone. And they said, oh, wow, what filter did, did you use on this? I didn't use a filter. I just, <laughs> I just cleaned, your, cleaned your lens. It's obviously never been cleaned since like 2012 or something. So um, it makes a massive difference. Huge difference. You only have to touch it once and it's got, got a fingerprint on it or something. So it's the same as your glasses with fingerprints all over it or dust all over it. They just get so dirty. So just get your um, get your shirt or the you know, a Brilliant tissue or something tip. like that and clean Brilliant the lens. Tip. Yeah. What else would you say, you know, when, you, when you're shooting on your phone? Um, on your phone. people want to yeah. get these amazing shots that you do. I mean, always think about where the light's coming from. You don't want to shoot into the light. So if you're taking a photo of someone, Get, get the light behind you. Okay, you so behind to, you as you the photographer, to, yeah, exactly. but in front of them as yeah, the subject. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Got you. you don't want the light behind the person right. getting photographed. Because then you've got a, just a silhouette and going on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And plan to take your photos in the morning and in the afternoon when the light's a lot softer. In the middle of the day, it's really, really harsh, which, which doesn't look as good. So if you can, get up a little bit earlier and go and get all your, all your travel photos or something um, on your phone early in the morning or, or late in the day. You got to be, you know, you you got to put in that extra effort, right, to yeah, get those right. the, the great shots. It right? also means you avoid the crowds too. If you go at like eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock in the day, you get the photo, but you get ten thousand other people in your photo. So that is a really shot. Sometimes you have to get up. How? What's the earliest you ever have to had to get up for a great shot? <laughs> All night, <laughs> pretty pretty early. Um, I went to I went to Jaipur with my wife, and we went to the Amber Fort, and we actually went the afternoon before, and there were about. 5,000 people there so we just went, went around and looked at the different spots and we went the next morning I think it opened at, at 8 o'clock and we were there at quarter to 8 so we went in 
straight away and got the shot that she wanted with no one else in, in the uh, in the shot. So you've just got to sacrifice a bit of a bit of sleep or an early breakfast or something like that if you really do want that shot. You know these beautiful shots of some of the best tourist spots in the world, and then you get there and it is. Full, yeah. packed full of people and you're like I can't get a yeah, shot of anything. Yeah it's funny how different some places look on Instagram to, to real life as well so do remember that a bit of Photoshop goes into a lot of those photos as well so it can be a little bit deceiving and a little bit disappointing when you get there and it's not quite the same as what you saw on uh, on social media. So Or just go really early. Or go really early. Nice yeah. one. Yeah use like the, um, the burst the burst function as well um, so if you're taking a photo of your kids or something like that and they're moving it's really hard just to capture them um, in, in one shot so use the burst function and you can go back and choose the one that you want to keep and, and delete the rest of them so um, they usually that is a really nice tip because with kids it's so hard to is, get that is. shot exactly especially if you've got multiple kids in one exactly. shot I always tell people photographing kids is the same as photographing wildlife you can't, you can't make them do what you want them to do, so just photograph them in their, in their natural state um, and use a fast shutter speed and take lots of photos and delete the ones you don't like. So it's the same principles for wildlife. Kids How- and wildlife. <laughs> I love it. How old is your son now? He's two and a half. Sweet. So he's at that age where he just cannot sit still. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, always on the go. So you're better off just photographing him doing his thing rather than asking him to sit still and, and pose for a photo. So that's brilliant. If you've got kids, go with what they're doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Kids will always do the opposite of what you tell them to. So if you ask them to sit still and pose for a photo, they're never going to do it. Just let them go, let them play, let them be happy with their friend or their brother and their sister and photograph them what they're doing that, that's that is such a beautiful tip and you know particularly here at the light festival there's lots of activities that are for families and for kids as well yeah. there are like special kids shows there's like interactive shows where the kids can actually control the light show yeah. so that would be a great one to capture like on film or still shots amazing and i mean it's not like the old days where we have film you know you've only got 24 photos we've got digital cameras now like just take are you old enough to remember that yeah i, I remember slides <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing, but I remember slides. But um, yeah, just take as many photos as you want. Delete the ones you don't need. It's you know, don't take one or two photos. You'll always get eyes closed or you know, yeah. someone looking away or blurred exactly. photo. Just just take a hundred and delete the ones you don't want. So let's talk phone apps that that you guys like for for editing on the go. Yep, I use um I use an app called Lightroom, which you can get on your on your phone as well, which is the same app that I use to edit my. Um, my camera photos um, but it's quite good on the phone I think editing at the end of the day is very much about personal preference different people like to edit a lot other people don't like to edit their photos very much and it's it's very much an individual thing I like to keep mine as natural as I can Um, but then there's times where you might need to photoshop something out or um, photoshop someone out of a photo or, or or you didn't quite do a good job when you took the photo so you need to correct it a little bit or you know a little bit um, crooked or something like that so um, but other people will go and put clouds in photos and you know add things in yeah. photos and that sort of thing um, which is fine if that's what you if, if that's what you want to do artistic um, license yeah artistic license at the end of the day it's it's your photo you can right. do, do what you want with it yeah but sometimes you just do want the colors to just pop a little, pop bit, a little bit more or you might want to get creative um, you know, sometimes you want to um, make the water go really flat and bring out some reflections in the water and that sort of stuff um, that you can sort of emphasise with some editing and some different photo techniques as well. So um, that's when you can get really quite creative with the, with the camera and create some sort of different shots. 
Coming up in the next hour, we talk what makes a photo stand out, how to capture fireworks, drones, and we even hear from some of the students who designed the light shows at the University of Sharjah. Keep it here on Pulse95. Pulse95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse95. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse95 and a special behind-the-scenes look at how some of the UAE's top photographers are capturing the 10th edition of the Sharjah Light Festival. I was lucky enough to follow the team from Living the Lens, including TG, a.k.a. Ehsan Sahia and Stevie Khan, all over Sharjah at various locations for the Light Festival, including Al Majaz, Al Nur Mosque, University City and the Sharjah Police Academy. But of course, we saved the best for last as we finally visited the breathtaking Sharjah Mosque. This hour, Stevie and TG talk what makes a photo stand out and how to capture fireworks. But first, with the popularity of drone photography on the rise, there are a number of important things that you need to consider first. Here, TG explains. Well, safety and security is one thing. Uh, the obviously, you know what we're doing. Or when you're flying a drone, you know you're risking uh, the people that are underneath. So the UAE has put, you know, laws and rules in place to follow. And each emirate has the same, similar, but little different, slightly different way of going about getting the permits. Okay. So you need to have permits to fly the drones commercially and non-commercially. You need to have your drones registered. And I think following the rules is very important when it comes to drones in the UAE as um, amongst other countries. And what's actually important is between different emirates, they've also got different rules as well. So you need to be aware of that and yes. how that works. Yeah, the application process, for example, uh, Sharjah, which is where we're standing right now shooting, and uh, Abu Dhabi, they go through GCAA, and uh, Dubai goes through DCAA, which is uh, Dubai Civil Aviation. And we have the Ministry of Defense that's involved, and there's an application process, and there's, you know, there's a bunch of entities that need to be involved, and it's mostly for the safety and well-being of the people that live in the UAE. Now, another exciting nightly display at the Light Festival is, of course, uh, the fireworks at Al Majaz waterfront. Stevie gives us his tips here on how to photograph them. Shooting fireworks is definitely always a challenge, Sally, and it is very difficult to get something interesting in your composition along with the fireworks. So, for example, if you were shooting from the Al-Majaz waterfront and you wanted to get the firework displays in front of the Al-Nur Mosque, you'd have to be very shrewd with your alignment. Now, you need to get your shots off pretty quickly as well, because once the fireworks go off, there's a lot of smoke in the sky. And as a result, after probably 30 seconds to one minute, most of the sky is covered in smoke. In terms of camera settings, I would advise using long exposure again. Make sure you have a good sturdy tripod and aim for around four to five seconds. And that really captures those big, colorful bursts that you see when you're looking at a professional photographer's firework shots. Good luck. It is difficult, though. And now when we come to Sharjah Mosque, it is definitely well worth the wait as the awe-inducing grandeur of the mosque and the luminous light show celebrating the best of Islamic architecture come together to create something truly magical. I asked TG what some of the challenges would be capturing Sharjah Mosque. 
All right, so part of the challenge in photographing something so beautiful is a lot of people come to see it. And what happens with people is you have, uh, we'll call it interference, I guess. Uh, so you have shadows, you have bodies moving back and forth. And as a photographer, you want to try to, uh, well, you have this image in mind and you want to make sure you capture it right. And, you know, sometimes a little kid comes running down the middle or uh, an older gentleman just walks around and uh, kind of ruins your shot. So so uh, basically, is uh, uh, that's the challenge. The challenge is, is, uh, is something so beautiful attracts a lot of people that sometimes causes a problem. So how do you overcome that? Well, it's a, it's a waiting game sometimes, mm -hmm. but there are a few tricks that we have. Like, for example, we're running uh, long exposures right now. Uh, a long exposure just means the shutters open for a certain amount of time, which lets in light. What happens is when the shutters open for that long and people are walking back and forth, they, they turn into ghosts. So they disappear. They don't show up in your image. That's pretty cool. To, okay. Maybe sometimes asking them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that could sometimes work. Can you please clear out of the way? Yes. I need to get my shot. I need to get my shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't believe. Sometimes we sit there waiting for a long time, waiting for just some person that just happens to take a phone call right smack in the middle. <laughs> so now, now that you guys have seen Sharjah Mosque lit up for the Sharjah Light Festival, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, Sally, this is definitely the piece de resistance. This is unbelievable. The display on the Sharjah Mosque, which looks fantastic without lights, let alone with this incredible display. It is mesmerizing. I'm just blown away right now. I'm staring at this mosque and I'm thinking, it looks like something sent from heaven. It really does, exactly. So, you know, looking at this, and again, it's one of those moving light shows. Um, so how would you capture that, your first thoughts? in photographing this? This is a tricky one because the shadows around here are pretty uh, pretty harsh. So you've got to get very low with your tripod, low on the floor to avoid those shadows and you've got to make sure that no one's walking past <laughs> and people are walking past right now and killing our shot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, you know, the lights are displayed on the mosque for quite substantial amounts of time 10-15 seconds here and there like now so you can take a nice long exposure of 10-15 seconds to capture that and it should look very very nice on your camera for sure amazing and it works really well for your time lapse as well it does it does yeah this uh, works really good for the time lapses uh, and, and like Stevie said there's enough light there's enough time rolling with the lights to allow you to capture these images like this image right now so you can capture all these colors uh, when there's too much motion going on uh, it all kind of washes away and turns into like one plain color mm -hmm. so you're getting some good stuff here coming up the pros give us their tips on what makes a photo stand out this is pulse 95 95 this is life beats life beats with sally musa only on pulse 95 now, both Stevie and TG have a, a dedicated online following of tens of thousands of people mesmerized by their work, and they both have been featured on pro photography as well as official tourism accounts across the UAE and the world. So I had to ask them, in an endless stream of images, what makes a great photo stand out? Well, it's a very good question, and I think TG touched on it 
touched up on it just then you know you need to do something a little bit different to the rest if you can find an element in your shot such as the moon setting or an incredible sunset always try and look to go out if there are nice clouds in the sky you know just do something a little bit different everyone can take the same shot of the Burj Khalifa as TG said but if you can do something a little bit differently with it then I think that stands out and that's what makes you really truly creative and also getting a different angle on the shot this is something that you guys do um I'd, how do you do it how i mean you know are you going up buildings are you scaling are you doing a spider-man thing with with all your kit and and scaling buildings to get some amazing angles or, or what does it take yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're not too big into the whole Spider-Man thing, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, you know, you need to you need to get permission to yeah. climb these rooftops, and we are people who believe in doing everything legally. Uh, we abide by laws, and we make sure that you know we're not doing silly things on top of those rooftops yeah. as well. It's got to be safe. It's how many times have we seen people who are just like doing ridiculous things for that? amazing you know standout shot yeah it happens way too much and we don't condone it we try not to do any of it in our shots in fact we don't do it at all and in fact if i see someone who i know or one of my friends who is doing something silly like dangling their legs off the side of a building i will speak to them about that and tell them that is not cool and i don't like what they're doing because it just encourages people to do that and it sends the wrong message. We have a huge amount of problems here in this country with people falling off balconies. It doesn't need to therefore be encouraged by photographers. We need to be role models as well. Yeah. It's as simple as that. There's a, there's a responsibility with that, isn't there? You know, go, climbing rooftops, that's a whole other subject by itself. But uh, climbing a rooftop and taking a photo actually takes away from your creativity. Because when you, you climb a rooftop, you're looking over at the city. You only have one perspective. So, and then you have to use a wide angle lens to cover the entire area that you're trying to photo. So there's not much creativity behind it. Whereas if you're on the ground, you have to kind of find a unique cool looking shot that you know and that's where i think more of the challenge is and more create more of the creativity comes out yeah actually yeah it's a very good point and uh, one of the things i like to photograph most is landscapes for that reason because you can find something creative in the landscape that not everyone else has seen before like nice patterns an unusual looking tree something nice in your foreground and not everyone's going to have that shot in dubai trying to get a unique shot of the burj khalifa is very very difficult mm. because it's been shot from all angles mm. but it's about again i feel like this is like the recurring theme here it's about being patient yeah. and taking the time yeah. to look and to see it because you're going to, if you keep looking, you're going to see something different, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, there was a, a, a question that was asked to me the other day uh, on, on Instagram, coincidentally. And he, uh, this gentleman says to me, he's like, he watched all of my stories and he, he saw me sit there for about an hour or two waiting for the sun to get to the right spot. So he says on his messages, he says, why do you do that? He says, why do you spend all that time waiting for the sun to get to the right spot? You can do the same thing in Photoshop, where you can take the sun, put it wherever you want. So I said to him, I says, but that's not what photography is about for me. Uh, photography for me is a craft. I enjoy put it, setting up the camera, setting up my tripod, changing lenses, putting the glass filter, and, and, and working on organizing and putting together my shot. So I'd rather spend more time out in the field than behind a computer. And this is to me what photography is about. There's like this aspect of a gift. 
Yeah. When you look for that. Yeah, exactly. There, it, it, there is excitement in it. It's like, yes, I got, you know, I got the shot. This is what I set out to do. I set the goal. I, I, I planned it out and, and I came home with this. With social media and photography. What kind of an impact has that had on photography? I think it's had a mixed uh, impact. I think there's been many, many benefits and uh, there's been many positive responses to social media. On the other hand, you know, it does have a degrading effect where it makes people feel bad about their lives. And as TG mentioned before, you know, it gives people almost a false idea of a place. I, I don't know if you know uh, this famous temple in Bali that everyone takes a picture of with the mountain in the background and there's this famous gate and there's a reflection. I've seen stories of people taking pictures at this place and it is not actually a reflection it is a guy holding a mobile phone taking a picture for you so the reflection is in the mobile phone and this is a false sense of reality that unfortunately social media creates but at the same time wow does it inspire you when you look at some pictures you're so inspired and I mean places like Iceland have boomed in tourism thanks to social media and Instagram so it has had a very positive effect mm. at the same time you can be totally inspired by people and their photography and that's terrific that's brilliant but you have to have a perspective a real perspective that some of those images aren't always what you're seeing on the on the screen which really comes with again you know educating yourself which is why you guys do your workshops and your classes as well absolutely yes yeah. uh, we, we uh, this, uh, educating the people is very important you know the uh, when they say when you preach the first person you're preaching to is yourself and this is one of the things I love about uh, instructing, teaching, or doing the workshops is I get to do a recap. I get to go over my own notes again, teach myself again, and learn from my partners. Absolutely. Yeah. We're all learning from each other. And that's the beauty of doing workshops as well. Everyone who attends can teach us as much as we teach them. It's great. A big thank you to Stevie, TG, Andy, and Nick for letting us behind their lenses to see how they create their incredible art. Now, coming up on our tour of the Sharjah Light Festival, we meet a couple of the University of Sharjah students who designed the amazing light show, A Day in the Life. That's next. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Pulse now, this year, for the first time at the Sharjah Light Festival, university students have had the opportunity to work with and be mentored by international design firms to create their own light shows. On our photography tour of the festival, we caught up with a couple of the students responsible for the dazzling University of Sharjah Light Show, graphic design students Aisha Morsi and Afra Ashraf. We're just looking at your designs here. On your very own building on the University of Sharjah for the Sharjah Light Festival. This is like fantastic. So well done. Thank you very much. It was actually a very interesting and new experience for us. Like for our work to be this big. I think it's an experience. It will be very hard to get again and experience once more. It's very. We even worked with teams across the world. So they were, it was like we worked under Tiger Lab in Barcelona. So it's very interesting. We kept getting feedback and working together was very interesting. So tell us about this process now, how you worked with teams across the world to create these designs that we're seeing right now on the building. 
So they wanted it to be a student-based project. So they would give us uh, deadlines and a, you know, a brief, and we would work, and we would send it back to them, and then they would give us feedback and ask us to uh, iterations and iterations cool. to make it better. And how long did that process take? It actually took, I think, around two months and a half, three months. Pretty quick, yeah. Um, it's actually, so we start. we didn't really know how to use a lot of things. We didn't know how the concept, they actually came and visited us at the university, at the College of Foreign Arts. And they gave us like a previous work and how it was done and how it goes from this small screen on the computer to that big building and the whole idea of how to compress and then goes on that building and it shows something totally different and amazing. How did you have to change, like it's one thing to design something on a piece of paper, right? But it's a whole other thing to have it projected on a building of this size. It's huge, it's monumental, right? So what do you have to consider when you're creating a design that is going to be projected in this way? Okay, so there are a lot of dark spaces and the windows on the building which where light is projected and you won't be able to see and there's a lot of depth in this specific building so where the image might get distorted and are cut off so that had to be considered so a lot of changes had to be done a lot of uh, yeah <laughs> so as well like so we started at the beginning they sent us actually a picture of the building and how it looks like they told us like where the windows are you that would be just black so don't put anything important there and they're gonna have be like pillars so notice that whatever you put on the pillars won't be shown so like if you notice the mosque scene actually the mosque is behind the pillar exactly it's because we actually didn't draw on the pillars and that made it look like it was perfectly there this is where it should be Right. So us understanding the whole concept, the whole measurements of the whole process made it so much easier for us to work. And so what was the brief then, the design brief, and how did you come up with your designs? Okay, so it was a day in the student's life in the University of Sharjah. And we are a team of 11 students. So we, each of us said what we did in our day, and then we took scenes from like a part of each of our day and made it into one full day. Okay, so what did you take from your day? So for us, both of us, it was the hangout scene, which included the Karnish and the mosque, and she did Al-Majaz and Al-Qasbah. Nice. So yes, we actually, for us to show it as much as possible and make it like relatable as much as possible, we went and visited those places. Like if you see like the ice cream and the walks and the carnage, we actually did all of that in that day. So we took pictures, like we took around 200, 300 pictures of everything. We looked at them, we understood what colors work best as well with the night. And yeah, it was a very fun process, especially that we experienced everything up there. What did you... <laughs> oh yes, that's the start. <laughs> <laughs> so this is you waking up in the morning, the alarm goes on and the whole day starts. Ooh. So it's basically the alarm and then you're looking out the window, seeing the sun and then choosing an outfit. Um, you go to university, the whole transportation scene and then you study, you go to classes, you eat lunch. After lunch you would go to uh, sports, there's the sports, there's basketball, there's football and then you basically go to the mosque 
and then you hang out till Majaz and Qasba and after that you go back home after you go back home you basically Netflix watch Netflix and watch take a shower I do as well <laughs> we need to at least watch one episode yeah. before <laughs> and then you go back to sleep and the cycle starts from the very beginning again this is so brilliant I love it it is so much fun watching all of this it's so colorful and so fabulous well done you guys they did a great job I have to say and when you see it it is just it's brilliant it's seamless it's you know thousands of ideas come together in that particular display 11 different students worked on it so it's definitely worth seeing you can hear the music there as well it really brings the whole thing to to life the Sharjah Light Festival in fact is on until the 15th of February so get out and see it and bring the whole family for sure this is Pulse 95 tune in live every weekday from 10am